Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're about to get jumped. Welcome to episode 102 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Soul Eater, episodes 30 through 32, where possessed trains roam the desert, microphones are ingested as a liquid, and nothing is worse than sneezing. Well, that's true. Uh, What we've learned uh, today from our brief conversation before this episode started recording was that there are two true evils in the world. One is sneezing, and the other one is coughing horribly, um, which is why we missed an entire week of our show, because Blake was dying and is only... It's not going to happen again. He's only just now coming <laughs> off of his death. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that cough is terrible. I know you tried to, like, fake cough, and you couldn't stop yourself from uh, real cough. <laughs> no, I was trying to hold back a real cough for this whole bit, but it just kept going. <laughs> Let's jump in. No, you're weird. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, so, uh, as you may have known, we have, we have missed uh, two weeks because of one Thanksgiving and the other Blake sounding like he does right now. I was um, way worse, is, to be fair. Yeah, he, he, was, he was so worse than, that we just were like, no, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And we were getting close to the end of the year, so we, we decided that we wanted to make sure that we got done with our normal shows um before we do our end of year special and then um our new our, our first episode of the new year i guess other than the special yeah. is going to be our our show it that, looks uh, like won it. the poll it uh <laughs> so what we're looking at right now for our schedule this episode's going to come out uh a little more than a week before christmas which spencer and i both do christmas so we are mm-hmm. you know busy with family shit around that time um, oh, by the way, I'm driving to Christmas, so we should hang out for like lunch or something. <laughs> sure, that's this is a really appropriate time to talk about it, but whatever. <laughs> what are we doing something else anyway? So, the next episode will show up right before Christmas, and then we okay. will do our end of the year special, which I believe in past years we have done as our right before Christmas episode and then taken the week between Christmas and New Year's off. So it looks like this year, our end of the year special will be uh, right before New Year's. And then the first week of the year, we will be off. And then our first episode of the year will be after that one drop one off week in which we will come back with the winner of the poll results, which it was not planned that way. And it really should have shaken out that way, but I became so sick that we missed a week. So yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the other news about that, that said poll, um, is that, uh, uh, if you were one of the people that was interested to find out that it was My Hero Academia and Yu Yu Hakusho battling uh, back and forth on Twitter, which I had quite a few responses on, and uh, a couple of people that were just like, come on, people, let's vote for Yu Yu Hakusho, um, you uh, are getting your wish so far because it is uh, very, the tide has turned in a much, uh, a much more spirit gun sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're both great shows, and yeah. they'll both be done on our show, but it sounds like one of them is probably going to be the one that happens next, uh, unless yeah, something am... really significant changes. Yeah, and we'll, we'll announce exactly what we're going to be watching um, in, in uh, probably... Uh, the the episode that we're doing for for New Year's, we'll be talking about that. Yeah. Um. But right now, if you if you're one of those people that wants you Haka show, continue getting your friends to listen to our show and also vote. Um. If you are somebody trying to fight for something else, you have an uphill battle, but it's not not doable. Um. So yeah, uh, it is. Still it's still an open race. I mean, I don't think that it is like a thousand to three or anything like that. So if you and a concerted group of your friends believe hard enough, then you may in it, in fact, be able to make this a reality. Uh, and there is time. There's more time than we expected to give you because of how life has worked out recently. So yeah. you still have time to vote where I don't think we're going to close the poll until, well, I don't know when, but usually we don't close it until the episode before 
we need to know what we're doing because that's when we tell you what's happening next time and we have to plan ahead. But because of like mm-hmm. the holidays and the end of the year special and stuff, uh, it's not quite as tight of a turnaround. So, you know, it just it's going to close eventually, but it's open for now. So if you haven't voted yet and you feel strongly, go vote. Yeah. And I will say that um, I, I've taken down some like um, some message responses that people have gotten me, um, some in-person uh, responses that, I, you know, from people that I know that listen to the show. Um, but it's also really exciting to have like a, a good turnout of people that vote on our show inside of the actual poll itself. Um, it's it's really exciting because we're we're finally starting to get user generated responses That's good. Um, in a in a way that we we really like talking to people. So if you listen to the show and you haven't interacted with us yet, please do. Um, yeah. If you have seen me on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever, if you say something to me, it will not stay unresponded back to very long. Um, and if you're one of those people that just likes to interact and shoot the shit about anime please come talk to us on Reddit. We want to talk to you yeah. or Twitter, wherever you want to talk about it. I think we both do um, Reddit. I do it a little bit more frequently, I think, than you do, but that's because I don't mm-hmm. pay as much attention to those other platforms. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, we're around. On, on other we, news, like to sh- we like to chit-chat. And we like to bother yeah. you people about this periodically, but we're starting to get more and more people who are actually interested, which is a nice turn of events. Yeah. Um, the other exciting news, uh, is that everybody that is part of our Patreon patrons, uh, that sent me information, um, should have received their gift in the mail. Um, I got one response back from, uh, Brady Johnson, um, who is one of our, um, uh, Patreon patrons. Um, and, uh, he seemed to enjoy his shirt. Uh, I can give away now, uh, what it says on it. It is the, uh, everybody hates 1010 shirt. Oh yeah. That got a big um, laugh from Nancy when she pulled that out of the box. <laughs> was she a fan of it? Because uh, that's what I was going. For. I think so. I, you know, I don't actually know how much she's watched Naruto, but I know she listens to our show. So she's at least, you know, associated with 1010 and the fact that she is well and truly hated. Yeah, that's just true. The fact that our episode that we're about to talk about it, it on Naruto next time doesn't involve Ten Ten is always just a, a nice a nice gift to me as, that I don't. As is true for her. most of them, but uh, the point stands. <laughs> um, the uh, the other note that I'm going to put on here, um, I, I just wanted to do like a brief rundown of like a quick thank you to all of the different people. Now that we passed Thanksgiving, and I wanted to do this when we were recording at Thanksgiving. Um, but our, our patrons that are, are signed up so far, they're, they're really fantastic people. Um, one is, uh, Ben Diamond, uh, who is obviously mm. a spy. International uh, man of mystery. Yeah. Um, Brady Johnson, who is, uh, a, one of our most uh, active members on Twitter. Um, we, we get to chat with Brady quite a while. He's, he sent a, a photo back, um, being really excited. Um, about getting his stuff in the mail. Nice. Um, Lucas Lucas Wright, who remains uh, a mystery to me. Um, I never hear back from him at all. He's not Lucas you. wrong. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nancy, who's a friend of yours from Wyoming, I'm yeah. assuming, or is she? Is She's, she great? yeah, um, she is. She's the director of the show that I'm ADing right now. Dope. Um, and then uh, Sean Kelly, who I heard back from. Um, who uh, I I sent uh, and I haven't I haven't heard back from everybody else who has received their package. If you are hearing this because you actually are a Patreon patron, so probably listen to our show. Um, feel free to send me uh, yourself inside of the um, the shirt that we sent you. We would love to put it up onto our page. You said that um, so or... weirdly. Send it yourself inside of the shirt that we sent you. <laughs> what are we gonna get back? Uh, he means you wearing the shirt, but he's opened a door that I'm not sure he's willing to walk through. Oh my god, you're <laughs> such a monster. <laughs> I hope you cough until you can't breathe. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Anyways, um, so, uh, the last thing... It's the, the coughing. The last thing that I wanted to do... <laughs> yeah. The last thing that I wanted to go over is, uh, and I, I haven't talked to Blake about this because this is a little bit of a side project that I've been working Who's on. Who's bringing own. things on who during the middle of recording now? Yeah, except for it's uh, it's it's post specific, um, which is I, I wanted to release something specifically for the patrons 
Um, I know that we've talked about this in the past, but I, I want to start releasing episodes that are specifically for the Patreon patrons. Um, one of the things that I have, I've tried to, uh, force myself to do, um, is, uh, is to do a, a episode by episode breakdown of shonen anime that we don't really cover inside of our show. And I don't think we'll end up covering inside of our show And some of them, um, uh, so the way that it'll work is I watch the first episode. I give you my honest review of what that first episode is and a breakdown of it. Um, and then that will be released specifically to our patrons only. Uh, the first episode of this is going to be coming out next week. Um, it's going to be on a show that I, I don't think Blake really ever wants to watch, but it is a surprisingly good show, um, which is uh, Hayaku. Um, Hayaku? I, I, Prob- oh, that's the IQ, volleyball show, right? Yes, it is so much better than I thought it was going to be. It's supposed to be um, excellent. It is very, very fun to watch. And it is one of those things where we complain a lot about like anime humor not being our style. But this show made me laugh out loud like five times in the first episode, which is very rare for an anime to really get me and to make me laugh out loud. Um so these are going to start. These are going to start coming out soon. Um, and uh, if you are not a Patreon patron, um, you won't be able to listen to these episodes. Um, these are going to be uh, released specifically on Patreon. Um, so if you want to be a part of that, you need to join and become part of the show. Yeah, it's just a little bonus for people who have given a little bonus to us, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to do like a whole Patreon thing, but, uh, just as a reminder, like we do, we did those gift baskets that helps us to like the Patreon support helps us to get the things that were in the gift baskets. Um, mm-hmm. not just for the patrons, but also for like the store. Like if you're not a patron, you can buy the things from the store. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, also we have started going to conventions and we are nowhere near, enough patreon support to help uh, like pay our way at conventions but uh it does help clear up things like uh when we have to pay to post extra time on the podcast hosting website because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have enough time in the month for our regular posting schedule and stuff like that so your support like it does it's it makes a big difference um even though i don't think we have a, a ton of supporters and we're not pulling down like hundreds of dollars a month or anything close to that. But like the support, uh, it's, it makes a tangible difference in the things that we have to do to support the show ourselves. And mm-hmm. uh, the more supporters that we have, the more of a tangible difference we will see. And we will be able to do things like make more space for conventions in our lives and stuff like that. So, Oh yeah. And, and speaking mm-hmm. of those conventions, I, I, I have, I have received well responses from each one of the conventions that we've gone to so far inviting us to come back to them. Yeah, they like so us it's a not lot, like which we is, which is it's nice. not like Feels we good. don't want to go back to them. It's just, you know, we we're trying to figure it out, you know. Um Yeah, some of it's a mechanical time of our schedule. Yeah, some of it's going to be an issue with our schedule whether or not you are a Patreon supporter. But if you are a Patreon supporter, you will know that it goes to supporting the show and some of that support might help us get to a convention or make like the last convention we were at, we had stickers and we t- handed out some stickers and we can mm-hmm. do that um, with your assistance. So uh, if yeah, you're into absolutely. that kind of stuff, keep it up. If you're not just, you know, listen to us, tell your friends and you can support us that way as well. And oh uh, yeah, you, you know, you, you never, you never have to, uh, I, I know we've turned into that NPR part of the month that everybody hates <laughs> where they, um, they just talk about this for like an hour and yeah. I, I am very sorry for this. Um, th- I will say the thing that is nice about our show is that if you're listening onto a podcast platform, you can hit the 15 seconds ahead button until you're done listening to this. Um, you shouldn't because so... we're hilarious and endearing. <laughs> Anyways, maybe not right um, now, but the... just as a general rule. Yeah. So with that being said, I don't have any more news before we go ahead and jump in. Um, I no. definitely am am ready to talk about these uh, these episodes. As yeah, well, I have. I think we covered this at the beginning. I've been sick, so I'm probably going to cough, and it's probably going to be gross. And I, I'm just I'm really sorry about that. So uh, yeah, 
We're talking about Soul Eater today, specifically Soul Eater's episodes 30 through 32. We're, we're around halfway through. Um, so what Soul Eater is, it's kind of like, uh, th- there's a school called the DWMA, and it's kind of like Hogwarts for the the people of this universe. Uh, but instead of being wizards, they are a partnership between a person who can turn themselves physically into a weapon. Not like my, your body is a weapon, like you're really good at martial arts, but like your body is a weapon, like you become a literal scythe. And the partners that they have are called Meisters, which are the people who uh, partner with them and wield them in their weapon form to do battle. Um, They also have uh, the ability to um, sort of interact with their souls as a a sort of wavelength. And so one of the reasons they partner up with each other is that you can um, resonate your wavelength with each other to increase your power and your synchronicity and stuff to make yourselves a really strong and effective combination. Um, Our main characters uh, are actually, it's like seven people are the main characters because of this partnership uh, situation. Um, So two of our our pairs of main characters are not going to be super important this week. So I'll touch on them very briefly. The main main character is a girl named Maka, she is a pretty studious, um, strong character. Her partner is a kind of lazy guy named Soul, who can turn himself into a giant scythe. Um, they are friends with a kid named Blackstar, who's the best character in all of anime. Blackstar is like uh, an annoying Naruto-type character, but it is hilariously endearing because Blackstar is so conceited and um, so self-assured that it just loops around to being funny. Uh, Blackstar is also a ninja, and his weapon is a girl named Tsubaki, who has the magical power to turn herself into a long list of ninja weapons, which is a little atypical in the weapon community. Usually you can only turn into one thing. Um, The last member of the sort of core trio of Meisters and their partners is uh, a kid named Death the Kid. He is named that because the headmaster of the school is Lord Death, which is like literally the god of death or the Grim Reaper or whatever. And Death the Kid is his son. Death the Kid has a, a comically unhealthy obsession with perfect symmetry. And as such, he has two weapons instead of one. It is a pair of girls named the Thompson Sisters, who can turn themselves into an identical set of guns that he wields. Um, He will be sort of stepping to center stage in our first episode of coverage today, but um, just some backstory on what's happened recently. There are uh, these Meisters. They fight against corrupted souls called Kishin, which is kind of like demonic souls. Um, It... You don't have to be super demonic, but the corruption has taken hold and has changed you from a normal human soul. There are also witches, and there's this group of witches that has recently set about a plan which ended up being successful to revive this sort of literally demonic person named Asura, who is so powerful and so insane that his presence and his consciousness causes insanity to spread throughout the world. He was revived recently, and his consciousness is now starting to infect the world around them slowly but surely. Um, He was revived by a witch named Medusa, who he thought was killed, but she actually survived and uh, took over the body of a young girl to revive herself. Um, And she used to be the mother, well, I guess she was literally the mother, of a girl named, well, a kid named Krona, We've gone over this a lot. I just kind of spoke quickly or maybe misspoke. Krona doesn't particularly identify with one gender or the other. They usually use the pronouns he for Krona. Krona tends to read as a girl more than a boy, but uh, Krona sort of officially is androgynous and is intended to be confusing. So he, she, or they might be used interchangeably. Either way, Krona was a villain that was uh, the kid of Medusa. Krona has since joined our heroes and is having a hard time adjusting because Krona is afraid of everything. Um, So, Asura's been awoken. 
Um, Crona's at the school now. Medusa survived, even though everybody thinks she's dead. And finally, they they recently learned about this guy named Abon who created all these magical items. And uh, we're going to pick up with episode 30 today with Death the Kid on a mission to find one of those magical items and reclaim it for the DWMA. Yeah, so this episode is episode 30, The Red Hot Runaway Express, a magic tool left behind by the great wizard. Look, I asked it like a normal question this time without confusing myself at the end of the thing. It's not the, that the title is over already. It's not the second part. It was just the first part. I was just proud of myself. I just had a lot of thoughts. Anyways. So, anyways, uh, so, um, I like that you put Kid in the Thompsons. <laughs> yeah, I ripped that off of Wikipedia. I didn't. I didn't copy and paste it, but Wikipedia called them the Thompson sisters. And I was like, that's way easier than Liz and Patty all the time. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. But anyways, Liz and Patty, kids, two guns, um, have gone off to the Sahara. Um, they're looking for a, a, a train that runs through the desert. Um, and at this train station um, that they've arrived at they're they're standing like Liz and Patty are standing there, kids standing there. And then, um, there is another person that is standing there as well that has just like a hood on, but keeps on cheaping to herself. And I'm just like, how do you not know that this is that same damn witch? Yeah, the Every- witches that we've seen have sort of small creature vibes. Medusa's a snake. There's one that's related to a frog. And this one is related to a mouse, which is actually like five or so witches who create some sort of gestalt person. It's kind of like Team America from Marvel Comics. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> I like to think of, I like to think of them as the like weird fan servicey Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> they totally are. Cause it's like five, like very small, short squat kind of thimble shaped girls who have a mouse theme, but when they form up as one, they become a very scantily clad, big-breasted witch woman. It is totally fanservice Voltron. Yeah, um, it is absolutely fanservice Voltron. Anyways, so this big train, um, the the reason White Kid is so excited to go and see this train um, is because uh, he's like a train that's been coming on time for hundreds of years Yes, I want to go see this train. Yeah, Did I tell great. you that I'm a fan of trains? <laughs> it's so on brand because he's like just thrilled. You know, again, he has he has a uh, an overblown fictional fictionalized for comedic purposes version of obsessive compulsive disorder. So anything that is uniform just gets him going super hard. And apparently, the fact that this has always arrived on schedule forever is one of those things but uh it's important to know that again like i said in the intro there is also rumors that one of these magic items made by abon is um what causes the train to run and these things are it's sort of unclear what they do uh but what is relatively clear or at least easy to infer is that they are a source of great magical power and therefore they are worth getting and uh, they are also worth getting before the enemy can get them. Um, yeah. Which oh, I forgot to mention, there's this organization called Arachnophobia that is centered around a witch named Arachne who has a spider theme. And so they have become the sort of main antagonist to the DWMA heroes right now. Uh, so he wants to reclaim this before any of them can. Yeah, so there, uh, the train arrives, uh, much like a sandworm from, uh, I don't know, Dune, or from Tremors, or from Beetlejuice, I guess. Um, yeah. Any sandworm that you can think of, except for it's in train form. Um, it just rips on out of the ground, and then as it does, a new character appears, which is Fisher King, and I want to call him Kingfisher, um, because <laughs> similar but different, Kingfisher. Yeah, similar but different. Anyways, um, he is going to knock them away, um, and catch onto the train and start to fly off. Um, the witch this is that a is dude chasing after it in full BDSM gear. He has <laughs> shown up. It's actually a Fisher costume, but it's like head to toe red, glistening 
like it looks like somebody in like a leather bodysuit from like American Horror Story season one. Uh, <laughs> and he is clearly not human. Like it's humanoid, but the way his head sticks out, I don't know what's going on. And you never really do get a glimpse inside the suit. And it's it's a mystery that I really wish there was an answer to because his design is like like many things with this show. The design just works for me and I want to know more. Uh, But Mm -hmm. yeah, he he, uh, don't get attached. He's not going to be around for very long. (laughs) I like that. I like that the way you said that talking about the Fisher King just reminded me of community where like the Dean is just like, I hope this doesn't awaken anything inside (laughs) of me. That's such a running joke with me and Pete. It's just so fucking funny. And then like the two Dalmatian people come by later and he's like, dreams coming true. (laughs) Great. Anyways. um, So they start to, uh, they start to fight to get on this train. Um, Death, the kid and Liz and Patty are going to be flying after it. Death, the kid is on a skateboard. Liz and Patty are in their gun forms. His skateboard Um, specifically is like a jet skateboard. It's like, uh, like back to the future too. More future, yeah. less back. Is that the title? So, the witch, the witch is flying along by jet power because she's just blowing, you know, basically fire out of her ass um, to fly Who after it, like a rocket. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like people do. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so, um, uh, after. Uh, Death is almost able to catch up. He is knocked away by uh, the Fisher King, who is starting to shoot like rockets out of the end of his fishing rod. Um, so he does not want. Uh, God, I love anime. Get onto the train. <laughs> the Fisher King has started to shoot rockets out of the end of his fishing rod at this guy riding a jetpack skateboard, dodging a mouse witch <laughs> blo- who's turned herself into a rocket. Like this is. Yeah. Choice material. Textbook anime. <laughs> um, yes, anyways, absolutely. Uh, so Death gets onto the train. Um, he is uh, he is going to run after Fisher King. Um, Fisher King is going to uh, dis like dislodge the train from uh, you know how there's like a at every uh, the coupling, train car there's a, I think. yeah there's there's a coupling station between each one of them he's going to break that but he's going to be on the wrong side of it with death the kid and just be like oh shit i shouldn't have done this but then he's like i have a fishing rod so he jumps back over to it death the kid's going to get back over to it the witch is going to get over to it they're going to start a whole battle back and forth and eventually uh, death the kid is going to overpower fisher king yeah so fisher king there's this whole thing about Avon made these magical items, and then it looks like there's like a signature from Avon on it, and Fisher King indicates that maybe somebody else helped him, and it looks like it's Death, which is, of course, Lord Death, Kid's father and the headmaster of the school, and the reason they're on this mission. And it's just like, it, you know, it's, again, it Avon has just been introduced in the story, like, I think the last time we talked about Soul Eater. And these magic items are a little ambiguous. They're just kind of generically powerful, but they seem maybe like a little insidious. You know, it's the kind of thing where it's a a powerful artifact that maybe the person who made it shouldn't have made it in the first place. And uh, so there is a sort of shock factor that Kid is dealing with, with the idea that maybe Lord Death was involved in the creation of these things. And the Fisher King is going to tell him in full, it seems. However, suddenly there is a knife in his head and he has been killed. And it is the uh, zombie professor, Sid, who has shown up to make sure everything's going okay in the mission. And it, it's not played super much, in my opinion. Maybe you don't agree with me here, Spencer, but it didn't read to me like Sid silencing someone before they could say something that the establishment doesn't want known or anything like that. It just played to me like Sid showed up at that time and did the thing he had shown up to do, which was to make sure this guy got taken out and that kid was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they wanted you to believe. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not obvious. It's not obvious that, you know, like uh, the lizard people are running the government. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it could be Schmidt when he's when like Titus is like, 
It's talking about spirit gum, and if he's, he's like, if it can help Obama keep his human mask on his lizard face, hashtag religion truth. <laughs> God, that yeah, show is exactly. so good. I, I was going to make a reference to like a mafia thing where it's just like, you know, death is part of the mafia and Sid is his enforcer. Um, <laughs> he's going out into the world. He didn't pay his uh, hush money fast enough. Yeah. So. So it's it doesn't seem like it sounds insidious when you're like he was about to reveal it and then one of the good guys who works for the guy who maybe was about to have something revealed about him shows up and kills the dude before he can say anything. Like it doesn't read that way, but it it does fit into that narrative and so it's a little bit like questionable. And kid is yeah. still feeling like he has questions. So for the last, you know, five minutes or so of the episode, he is going to go and try and find some information in the library. Yeah, he's also gonna he's also gonna drop the um, "my dad is death" card. Oh yeah, um, he it drops hard. Yeah, so like he's in he's in the library and he's like, I want to check out this book, and they're like, Well, only only professors can check out this book, and then he pulls out this ID that's just like my dad is death, and he's like, No, oh, he's your like, dad is death. I think he's <laughs> handed his ID over or something like that. Like I re- I feel like I remember specifically him being like, Well, why don't you turn over my ID and look at the back? Like very theatrical. Oh yeah. <laughs> why don't you discover who you're fucking talking to? Yeah, and he finds out that there is one. Uh, there is one book about Ebon, but it is going to be checked out right before the arrival of Asura again, and it was taken up by somebody with the initial M. And if, immediately, Blake says he like it might be Medusa, but immediately Death the Kid's just like it's obviously Medusa. Yeah, I. <laughs> You know, like I said, it's been a few, it's been like 10 years or so since I watched Soul Eater the first time and I've never watched it a second time. So I don't remember if it was Medusa or if it matters at all. So I put possibly Medusa because it's just an M and he jumped to that conclusion really quickly. And I have learned by watching television and movies and stuff my whole life that that is the classic red herring setup. And I don't know if that's true for this series because I just don't remember. But yeah, it, do, it really does seem like it's Medusa and maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, that takes us into our next episode, episode 31, Dying Happiness. Whose tears it's, sparkle in the moonlight? It's drying um, happiness. Dying happiness. All the dying, dying happiness. happiness makes a certain sense. Also, what's weird is that these three episodes are like three completely distinct largely unconnected episodes and in fact the last one we'll cover today is so unconnected that it could have happened anywhere yeah anyways um so this episode is going to be all around uh all i i want to say all about corona but it is it is completely about corona yeah. it is a hundred percent about corona dealing with everybody in the dwma um uh Corona is not adjusting well to their life inside of the DWMA. Yeah, um, they're Corona. trying really hard to be a part of everything, but they they have a really hard time accepting that people don't just automatically hate and despise them because they've been completely brainwashed their entire life by Medusa to think that they are, you know, the the worst thing that's ever lived. Yeah, we discovered recently, uh, basically at the end of the the first half of the show, um, in the in the section where Osiro wakes up, which I think was two of our coverage episodes ago, somewhere around there, um, we discovered a lot about Krona's childhood, which was super abusive, emotionally, physically abusive. She he has been through the ringer, and Krona is just very very skittish and very untrusting cries about everything and it's just it's everything sets corona off and this hasn't really changed even though the heroes of the story especially maka have gone out of their way to make sure that corona feels welcomed and in fact the first part of the episode will show us that by there being a party that they make sure to extend an invitation to corona for and Krona goes to the party and kind of has a good time, but, you know, also everything kind of scares Krona. And so it's like, it's a little bit of a cute kind of comedic montage 
um, quick scene where like Karn is at the party and then like, I don't know, like a waiter will come up behind them with something to offer on the tray and Karna will panic and freak out and run away. And it's just like, yeah. it's cute, but it's like, you know, they're trying and Karna yeah. I think is trying too, but it's hard. Yeah. So Krona is on uh, their way home, and uh, in the middle of walking home is uh, uh, accosted by a young girl who reveals herself to be Medusa. Um, Medusa, if you remember, uh, is not dead. She escaped from Stein in just in the last moment and was able to possess a young girl. Um, she has used this body to go around uh, be making herself more powerful as the world starts to get more and more crazy around them since Asura's revival. Um, uh, Medusa is going to task Krona um, to get a listening device inside of um, Stein's, uh, Stein's li- like living area, and the way that they are going to do this is by um, getting this spying device into um, Marie, who is now the partner with Stein. Yeah, there was uh, at the once Osiris was awoken. There are these things in this in this universe called death scythes, which is basically like if you're a person who can turn yourself into a weapon, there is a a sort of long form ritual that you can go through to to turn yourself into like your most powerful version which is a death scythe and there are death scythes scattered throughout the world and many of them have been called to the dwma in light of this recent crisis and so marie is one of those um she has uh she i think has been assigned as uh stein's um partner and stein's an important character he's a professor at dwma he sort of teeters on the line of villainous insanity uh while generally being a hero he is uh he's based off of dr frankenstein and as such he has a a sort of sick obsession with dissection and reanimation and stuff like that and this is an obsession that he fights off in order to be a you know good guy teacher but with the coming of Asura, he is starting to lose it a little bit. And um, one of the reasons that he has been paired up with a weapon, partly he has the unique ability to pair with any weapon. He also is, uh, I think, the strongest weapon wielder at the school, with the exception of Death himself. And um, Marie has a kind of calming influence on him. And so her yeah. presence should help him maintain sanity for a longer period of time while solving these other problems. Um, and Meanwhile... <laughs> unfortunately, uh, that's not going to work out very well. Yeah. So, uh, Corona is going to uh, come and find Marie um, and uh, just kind of get a little bit lost outside of where Marie is um, and ask to be helped. Uh, Marie is going to then... Um, proceed to get them even more lost and more lost and then suddenly unlost um, in a very charming way. Um, she is a she's a great character in the fact that she's like um, she's she's like a very bubbly nice character, but at the same time she has kind of like a um, you know a a design to her that makes her look a little bit more badass than she appears with her personality. Yeah. Um, one of them is that she has a, uh, an eye patch on that has a lightning bolt on it. Um, and so you're thinking to yourself, like, number one, how did she get this? Number two, like, um, what is her power specifically? Because I want to, I want to see it now. Um, she's a very interesting character inside of it. Um, she is going to immediately take Corona into where she's sitting um, and want to hear all about what is going on with Krona, how uh, Krona is adjusting to DWMA, um, and then Krona is going to seem to open up to her, um, but instead of opening up to her um, just be- because of the things that are actually happening with Medusa, um, uh, Krona just opens up about being nervous and things that are pretty obvious. Um, so Marie is just like, uh, let me go get you something so that you'll calm down, and leaves her tea unattended. And when she leaves her tea unattended, um, we see that Krona is picking up the pin that she was uh, that Krona was given by Medusa, um, and it's supposed to be a listening device. And at the end of it, we think that Krona didn't leave the listening device when she says bye to Marie later. But it turns out when we flash back to this moment, the listening device was actually inside of the pen, and it was one of Medusa's snakes. 
and it went into Marie's tea, and then Marie drank the tea, so now one of the snakes is inside of Marie's body. Yeah, and this is going to give her the ability, give them the ability to listen in on Marie's conversations. But Medusa also points out that it will cause proxim- proximity to Marie to be um, bad for Stein. Basically, like instead of being around her being a calming influence, it's going to heighten his insanity and cause him to lose it even faster. And it's just. Yeah. It is this very slow, subtle setup that really represents a devastating loss for the heroes. But I actually wanted to kind of like dive into that before we jump into the last episode. Because the biggest loss for me in this episode was the fact that Krona did it at all. Because yeah. if you've been watching or listening along, you know Krona, Krona is a victim of abuse and has been their entire life. And was a villain because their their parent and the only person that had ever given them a home and and some sort of structure was directing them to do it. But they were directing them to do it in in concert with doing horrible experiments on them and causing them great physical and emotional pain. And Krona has just been through a lot. And that first section that when Asura, you know, the climax of the first half of the show is Asura is revived. The heroes fail to stop that, but they're, they have victory as well, which is they stop Krona from, from fighting them and sort of free Krona from this past by, by offering a kindness and a gentleness that Krona has really never experienced and inviting Krona to join them. And then Krona does. And like we said, this has been a really tough adjustment, you know, which is, it's really nice because Krona has all this baggage. And so it, it it's really good that the story does the work of having Krona working through it instead of just kind of hand waving it away. And that is all great, but it, it also plays in a way that is sort of uncomfortably truthful with trauma, which is that her, the source of her trauma, like her abuser comes back and is able to immediately cause Krona to fall back into Krona's old patterns. And instead of resisting it, you see that Krona is unsure of what to do and doesn't really want to do it. Krona is afraid of Medusa and doesn't want to be around her. And yet there isn't really any resistance offered. Like there, there's hardly a moment of thought before Krona agrees to do this. Um, It just, it's just sort of forced onto them and it it's this like very tragic sort of look at like what happens when you're abused and how easy it is to fall back into those patterns. And it, it's mm-hmm. frustrating and devastating because Krona is this really interesting character and it's really sympathetic and, you know, we really like the protagonists and now Krona is one of them and so for for Krona to betray their trust and to betray them like this, it hurts. But it's also like unfortunately really understandable and really true to life. And I think that makes it hurt even worse. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that that happens inside of that happens inside of this show that shows a a real connection with the writer of Soul Eater with true true human emotion. Um, and that's one of the things that's really interesting about this show as well, is that it, it takes, it takes things that are true in actual life and twists them to the umpteenth degree inside of a fantasy persona. Um, and I, I think that that's one of, one of the most interesting things about this show is that it, it really is unafraid to, to deal with these, these really dangerous issues in real life in uh, this kind of fantasy world so that you can get a little bit of understanding, you know, further with like, you know, what, what kind of, what kind of person and what kind of thing is more susceptible to go mad inside of this world because they have a pre, you know, a pre consisting possibility to do it in life. It kind of gives you that, um, that peek under the hood of like, you know, somebody is a little bit obsessive about things, but if they were exposed to something that was causing them to go more mad, this is like the the extreme that they may go to, you know? It's just, it's a, it's a weird fantasy experiment that's obviously fantasy, and, you know, the 
it doesn't actually express what real like you know mental disabilities or psychoses people actually have um but it can take things that are things that are, people are truly afraid of um in real life and kind of turn it on its head and then sprinkle in humor and also put in giant weapon battles yeah so it's i think like, it's it's really doing my favorite thing that fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like that can do which is to take take those real experiences and those real ideas and then filter them through the lens of the universe in a way that mm-hmm. feels organic. And so you have that grounding of like, I understand what this is like, or I know people who've experienced something like this, but it also is happening in a completely different way because of the circumstances of the universe in which it's happening. And that grounding that you have, you're like, okay, I know the rules of this universe. I have some sort of experience with this, you know, this type of emotional response or this type of person or whatever. And so I can kind of see that there's a logic behind why this behavior or why this event is happening the way it is. And I just really love that. I know that like mental illness and fiction is often not portrayed very well. And I wouldn't say that Soul Eater is doing a particularly good job of it. I would say that Soul Eater, I think for me seems to get away with it by being very fantastical and very clearly mm-hmm. like not trying to be about mental illness. And yeah. as such, I think it's doing these things pretty well. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that takes us into episode 32 legend of the Holy sword three, the Academy gang leaders tale. Um, this episode is all about Excalibur and hero. Um, <laughs> So Hero is a character that you've never heard of before, and yeah, the reason why I think why this is, is his because first appearance. Hero's a doormat. Uh, yeah. Everybody, everybody just tells Hero what to do, and then he does it, and then he finds out that there is a holy sword named Excalibur, and he's like, I will do anything to get this, even spend time with Excalibur. Yeah, if you have not been doing. following along, Excalibur <laughs> is the legendary sword it is the most powerful weapon and anybody who wields it is basically said to be unbeatable but the problem is that excalibur is insufferable and super annoying and has this like long list of rules that you must follow in order to be its a thousand rules and so (laughs) there have been two attempts previously in the show of characters trying to partner up with excalibur and failing not because they weren't able to get to Excalibur, but because they weren't able to stand being in Excalibur's presence. This time, Hero does it, and he becomes Excalibur's partner and a complete tyrant. (laughs) Yeah, he completely defeats our main characters without putting in any effort at all. Um, in addition he, to a he, new he, character who's uh, like a side character that's introduced in the intro and is totally awesome and is another character yeah. that has two weapon partners and is super cool. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's 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 really interesting the use of power uh, that Excalibur <clears throat> gets. Um but then the comedy of the show really shines through inside of this episode which yeah. is that watching a person go through the ringer of this like a complete monster of a character that requires different things in order for you to spend time with him um, is just, it's just painful to watch. But at the same time, it's like this person being a doormat in, in their life already sort of plays directly into being a partner with Excalibur um, because all hero ever does is just be a doormat for everybody. Yeah. It's it really fits really well, and it's it's a pretty fun and funny episode, which is true of the other Excalibur ones as well. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's not going to last, of course, because he is basically he has become the undefeatable like king of the hill at school, and he is being an asshole because he's kind of an asshole. I don't know. He's just not a you know he's not like a jerk or anything. He's just like a he's a He's a teenager who hasn't adjusted yet and has some resentment at how people have been treating him and has a sort of like superiority complex based on that and is wielding it and it's making him into a jerk. Um, Everybody hates it, but nobody can do anything because he's super powerful and cannot be beaten in battle. Um, And then Excalibur gets a sneezing fit. (laughs) 
And if you've heard anything from our opening, it's that the sneezings are the worst things that can ever happen. And so he's they they show instead of showing Excalibur just being like put away or something like this, it's just Hero the next day, and they're like, he's like, "Can I get you guys anything?" And he's like, they're like, "What happened? Weren't you just this monster tyrant?" And he was like, "I can deal with a lot of things," but when he started sneezing. <laughs> There's also, there's a second joke in the episode, which is that uh, Excalibur lives in a cave filled with fairies. Oh, yeah! And then the fairies are, like, they're, like, building up their, like, yeah. their beautiful world again. And it's finally turning into a paradise again. They create, and in the end... They're like, oh my god, Excalibur is gone. And they create paradise, and you keep checking in, and it's, like, the land of eternal summer or something, which I like because it's forever summer, but... Uh, <laughs> It was just like, they're so fucking thrilled that somebody has finally taken Excalibur from them. And then at last, like, he's returned and you just see Excalibur, who's like totally up his own ass and oblivious to the misery that he inflicts on the world around him. It's just like, okay, it's time for story time. And all the fairies are just fleeing and like, miserable. (laughs) It's so great. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. So that's the final episode that we're covering this week. Uh, Stick with us after this, and we will talk about what's happening next time. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free, and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B and S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, or wherever you get your podcast from. And hey, Thanks for listening. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto episodes 121 through 124. Hey, Blake, what what happens when you don't tweeze your eyebrows? I don't know. What what happens? You you get the return of bushy brows. You get it? We're done.